Welcome to Brothers King Talk. My name is Samuel. And my name is JP. And we are going to be talking about 1985's smash hit, Careless Whisperer by Wham in some places and George Michael in other places. How are you doing this evening, Samuel? I'm doing okay. Um, I'm curious to see how this song goes for us because so we we kind of batch record our songs because you know we only do 15 minute episodes normally however um i was just texting jp the list of the songs we're going to do tonight and i'm like yeah we're going to do windows cry by prince and whatever that wham song was i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) and i waited until we got onto this recording and said i have some words Uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how, how we, how we diverge. And I hope, cause I, I definitely, obviously I am, uh, based on my tone of voice, you could probably tell that I like this song. Um, but I, I am hoping to try to try to bring you over to the careless whisperer side of things. And you might remember the name of the song in the future. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, so before we get into that, let's. Tell me about 1985. Um, we're just getting like closer and closer to like, you know, modern day, <laughs> modern day. It's so yes. weird. Well, so, okay. So this, this was huge. Uh, you know, I, I was looking for a fun fact on this year and something that really stood out to me. I don't know if I'd mentioned this. I'm a huge like animation fan, anime, like Japanese anime nerd um, about a lot of different things, but primarily Japanese anime. So June 15th, uh, Studio Ghibli, uh, I've also heard it pronounced Studio Ghibli, uh, was founded in Tokyo, Japan, famous for films such as Kiki's Delivery Service, Howl's Moving Castle, and the Academy Award winner, Spirited Away, was founded 1985. So I have just gotten to Studio Ghibli recently um, because I have HBO Max now. So mm, I've yes. watched like, My Neighbor Totoro. Um, I've watched Spirited Away and was surprised how much I liked it. I was not expecting to like either one of those films as much as I did. I need to watch some of the others, but they're always I'm always like reluctant because all the ma- movies are like two, two and a half hours each. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I have to make y- myself ready to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's, uh, you know, I, I definitely have found um, that there are some movies, I think most recently, I uh, watched Poco Rosso for one of the first times and just there's so much about Studio Ghibli that I enjoy, uh, even just outside of the movies themselves. I love the the soundtracks. Um, that's I mean, when I when I am like trying to be focused on something, I'll turn on uh, piano Studio Ghibli music and it's just the most relaxing and fo- and I just get laser focused with whatever I'm doing. So I'm a huge fan. Studio Ghibli is probably one of the most well-known um, animation studios or anime uh, in Japan studios in, that that we know of over here in the West, primarily because of Spirited Away. Um, it was not the only Academy Award nominated film, but it is the only, uh, I do believe, the only Academy Award winner uh, that is strictly an anime film uh, in that category of animation. Very nice. 
Well, let's move on to um, as much as I would love just to talk all about Ghibli. And I'm sure there's a podcast somewhere out there about that. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, some smooth adult soft rock. Yes. Like, you know, I don't know that you get more adult soft rock than this song. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And it, it's it's hard for me to find a place to start with this because it is a wildly popular song. Careless Whisper has such a recognizable saxophone riff that it's hard not to hear it and immediately know what it is. Even if you don't know the rest of the song, you know the riff. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Like, so um, I didn't even know I knew the sax solo until I heard it. Like, <laughs> it came on. I'm like, oh, I've heard that saxophone before. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a Songbird by Kenny G, but I listened to Songbird by Kenny G, and it's actually a distinctly different song. Mm. But they are very similar, like in vibe and flow. And... Right. And, and, you know, I I found this song to be really great as just a first impression um, because, I mean, I've heard the song before, but I've never really quite listened to it to get a point that I, we can, I can get a critical idea of it. But I, I always think back whenever I hear the, the saxophone riff, I think back to high school. Uh, I had a friend in my band class uh, that would play this riff on his saxophone at literally any moment that he could. And it would, it would make other people annoyed. It would always make me laugh. And it was just that he was just the, the George Michael of the band class. He would always play that saxophone riff. So it's just that that was my really my first impression when I heard it. Fair enough. Um, so I do like that you say George Michael. This song is technically a George Michael solo song, but in America, it's marketed by as by Wham, um, the duo that George Michael was part of. And um, the only reason I personally know Wham is because I do a yearly game of Whamageddon, where you see how long you can go without hearing the song um, last Christmas. Um, before you inevitably hear it between Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas. So that is my only experience with Wham, George Michael, any of this. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but I am not only a nerd for uh, Japanese anime, but I'm also a massive nerd for Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I watched the Polar Express on Saturday, like two days ago. Or three days ago, I watched it uh, on on HBO, and it was just oh, it's just great. I, I just have a, a craving for Christmas, so I would lose that game almost immediately uh, because I've already listened to Last Christmas at least once this year uh, before the well the summer has began. So <laughs> it's definitely something I, I just can't get away from Christmas. I love it so much. Fair enough. All right, so. Um, I get the feeling we had differing opinions on this. So what we're, I think we're going to do here is I'm going to kick us off, and then you're going to tell me why I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> because I want to be wrong. He, okay. So he, um, I like to take um, – there's a guy on YouTube I like a lot. He's um, um, Cinema Wins, and his whole entire channel is – so, you know, Cinema Sins is like the crappiest of crappy, um, mm. critical, yeah. right? Like it's really horrible horribly written and stuff well there's a guy who does the opposite cinnamon wins and his whole entire driving theory is it's i like to like things 
Mm. And so he tries to put a positive spin on anything that he's doing. And he'll be goofy and stuff. But the point is, I feel the same way. I want to like things more than I want to dislike things. That's fair. So um, for me, let's start with the music. Um, I find it really dull and boring. It goes on a solid two minutes longer than is necessary, I feel like. I feel like the only saving grace here is that stands out to me is, of course, that sax solo. Um, it's very iconic. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great sax solo. And the rest of the song just slips away from me the moment I stop hearing it. Now, granted, I've listened to this song a few times since writing this. And, you know, the never gonna dance again. Dun, 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 dun. That part is a bit earwormy after you listen to it a few times. but For sure. I don't know. It just this is just the maybe it's because it just feels like elevator music to me. Like this just feels like the music you hear at a dentist office. <laughs> um, and I just was like, eh. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I, you know, I definitely am on the other side of the spectrum with that. I feel like this this is an iconic song. Uh, I, I don't really have a whole lot I can say about it other than that it is iconic. But the saxophone riff is is really known for, uh, or excuse me, let me repeat that. The saxophone riff is what this song is known for, but it's honestly not in the song as much as you would think. It's only in the song about three times. But I think the melodies of the song that are are produced by the vocals uh, are definitely earwormy. They definitely get kind of like uh, just this feeling of you want to sing along, you want to go through. Uh, and this is a song that I can place on a high pedestal and almost look like I, I can almost see it as a perfect track because it's complex. I feel like it's full of variety from the acoustic guitars, the drums, the, the strings. And it's just every time that things get just almost a little dull, the saxophone riff comes back at the right exact moment to bring you back in and just will not let go. And I'm okay with that. I feel like the harmonies and the melodies, they play so well together. And it's just so difficult to listen to the song and not start to feel a groove. You know, I just love the song. As, as far as the music goes, I feel like this is a perfect track that I could have literally instrumental on repeat at all times. And I would never get bored. Um, that that's how I feel about this song. Fair. I, I don't know. It just doesn't hit me the same way. Um, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, so I guess that leads us to the lyrics. Um, once again, they're okay, but I don't, they're just, they're not hitting me. So, okay. We've talked about before. I normally love breakup songs. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think breakup songs are great. They're some of my, one of my favorite genres. But this one seems to boil down to he cheated on her, she left him, and now he's sad. And I I appreciate, I do appreciate, because we've talked about before how um, a lot of songs seem to lack consequences. And at least the character realizes they're a horrible person um, for most of the song. They're like, hey, I did a horrible thing, now I've lost you because I'm an idiot. I appreciate that. And then he gets up to the last line. What was what I did so wrong? Yeah, and I didn't it, love it that. It ruins any remorse I heard. Like, you just ruined all your credibility, dude. I was with you. I was like, hey, okay, you feel crappy. 
you're you're um you're lamenting this romance you can't have because you spoiled it but you feel no remorse apparently and i'm just like really dude so i don't know i i get it but i don't get it if that makes sense i mean yeah so i i i gotta say this this might be my favorite song that we've covered uh you know there's a lot to say uh and you know i say you know that i say that comment a lot this might be the favorite song but this song is truly really fantastic you know the lyrics give a soulful picture a heartbreaking picture of love and loss but love and loss at one's own actions you know this is something that they they met they they danced together and then he threw it away it, it, it was this wonderful relationship between between two people only to be thrown away in a moment of lust. And the narrator is definitely paying his debt. He knows what he did was wrong. And even so, he understands that his love interest can never forgive him. So I think that that last line of what it was I did so wrong, I think that's him talking to himself because he is trying to he's trying to kind of talk himself off the ledge, so to speak, because. I hear it, and I this, at this point the 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 love interest is gone. She is she is flown off. She's disappeared. She's completely removed, and so he is there, left sitting alone, trying to reason with himself of was what I did so wrong. And I think at the very end of it, it's yes. The answer is yes. What I've done is so wrong. He's he's care. He's guilty. He's never gonna dance again. That's that's the the kind of back and forth. I don't think it's a uh, a conversation that he's trying to have with this other person where he's feeling no remorse. I think it's this rat this battle that he's having internally and was what I was what I did so wrong. Yes, I'm guilty. I am uh the 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 lyric um that says was the lyric was that what I did so wrong that you had to leave me alone. I'm so, the, these guilty feet are uh, these guilty uh, feet have got no rhythm. Uh, although it's easy to pretend, I know you're not a fool. So it's this it's this conversation that's happened after the fact, and we know for as the listener that this is gone, that this person has disappeared, this person has left, and so he ends up letting her go because of the fear of things we'd want to say. It's just going to make things worse. And so I just feel like the emotion is truly palpable. And I feel like the delivery is just absolutely flawless. I, I love the way that he sings the song. And it's just it's just really, really solid for me. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. For some reason, the song is just not landing with me still. Um, I, I am nearly won over with some of your points like i do appreciate you know that uh, it's a, a conversation between himself and just kind of like i think we've all been and it may not be over a romantic relationship we've all been in a situation where we're beating ourselves up over a past mistake and um just kind of pity partying in that but i don't know the whole entire song to me still feels kind of shallow somehow um and insincere and i want to like it more like, i wish i did because teary-eyed breakup ballads are normally my thing mm -hmm. um but this isn't doing anything for me other than a really gnarly saxophone riff and um occasionally i 
do almost start grooving with it um, until maybe it'll grow on me over the years if I ever listen to it again. But for the time being in my life, I give it a one across the board. So music, I give a one. Lyrics, I give a one. Overall, I give it a one for a three out of nine. And I think it is worth noting. Um, I was reading a little bit up on this. And George Michael himself, he said he wrote this song about um, an experience he was in where he was like two-timing his girlfriend as a teenager and going out with other girls while he still had a steady girlfriend. And he even said later that a lot of people come to him and act like it's a really important song to them. And he appreciates that. But to him personally, he felt like the song was really shallow and wasn't, it was just something he wrote because he had a saxophone riff stuck in his head and he uh, decided to make that a reality. Yeah. So I give it a three out of nine personally. Okay. Well, that's, that's a fair point. You know, uh, I, really just feel like this is a this is the perfect type of song for me um it, it just hits all the right notes so to speak and it's been covered dozens of times from big named artists uh to high school saxophone players and, and for for good reason uh i don't think that it is the song that people want to think it is i think that people think it's a song about uh love and i think it's not it's about lost love it's about mistakes that have been made and so i think i think the way that it is perceived by people um as a romantic song of just uh of uh, on the same level as something like marvin Gaye's let's get it on i don't think is accurate i think that this is absolute i think it's the opposite it's a breakup song. It's not a song you should sing to someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with. It's not like a first dance type of song. Uh, it, it's a song that you listen to when you are you're feeling absolutely distraught because you're talking yourself off the ledge. And so this is a song, just to me, it's, it's perfect in every sense of the word. And in my humble opinion, it has to get a perfect score because... It has been stuck in my head since I have listened to it, and I intend to listen to it the moment I stop, uh, you know, stop recording these batch episodes. I intend to go make some dinner and listen to the song because that's that's what's in my mind. So, JP, I'm going to be curious where this stands because when we're done with this and when we finally get up to the year 2000. 2021 whenever we're done with this um i want to kind of like rank all the songs and kind of see what we decide is the highest and this is the only song so far as i'm aware that we've ever given a perfect score i gave hey jude an 8.5 out of 9 so uh, i'll be curious where we stand with this when we get to the end well, I think definitely what we're going to have to do with that is combine the scores because uh, I, I think that's going to that's going to factor in because I'm sure there there's other songs that we will cover and talk about that we both can agree that are just top of the line. But I will say, at least you didn't give the song all zeros. It could no. you could have done it. You could have made that. This wasn't this thing. wasn't a sugar sugar situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it wasn't sugar sugar. <laughs> but which I like, but <laughs> well, I, I think I think this is a this is a good example of kind of a situation where we flip flopped and I think we should make a make a 
uh, uh, take a look at that and say, why, why was it like this? Why did, <laughs> why does he love Careless Whisper? Why do I love uh, Sugar Sugar? Why do we go? Why do we do this? <laughs> I mean, um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, my name is Samuel, and my name is JP. And once again, we have been talking about 1985's smash hit Careless Whisper by once again Wham in some places, George Michael in others. This has been a Brothers King Media production. Mm-hmm.